Coming up on today's show, we discuss an RFA officially off the board, offensive to players playing defense, injuries, updates, the Flames trolling continues, there's a new mascot in Seattle, and the first overall pick has not lived up, but it's still early. All that and more on episode 152 of the Second Thoughts Hockey Podcast. Let's go. Welcome in on this fall edition, the first episode of October 2022. The season is just a couple of weeks away. I think less than that at this point. I am so excited. Calgary Marty hosts as always. You can follow along with the podcast on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify online at ST Hockey Podcast, Instagram, and Twitter. There's still a couple RFAs remaining, but one is officially off the board. And, well, reasons because... They're losing defensemen left, right, and center. We'll also talk some other injuries and updates from some other teams. The Calgary Flames keep trolling, and it's honestly my new favorite thing, and we need more of Brent Sutter, to be honest with you. A new mascot in Seattle, and... Mixed opinions, to say the least. And of course, uh, number one overall pick, Uri Slavkowski. Getting a little bit of heat, but I'm just saying it's very early, and I'll give you a comparison coming up. But let's start with the news here. The Toronto Maple Leafs make a deal. They lock up Rasmus Sandin, one of their uh, long-ended stalemates as uh, the restricted free agent formally signs a two-year deal uh, this past Thursday worth an average annual value of $1.4 million. He suited up in a career of 51 games this past season. He had five goals. He also had 11 assists, averaging 17 minutes on ice per game. So let's break this one down because... This contract, if you remember, and if you're not a Leaf fan, that's okay, but early in the offseason, Toronto signed also restricted free agent defenseman at the time, Timothy Lilligren, to a two-year AAV of $1.4 million per season. That same contract at at that time got offered to Rasmus Sandin. Rasmus Sandin, along with his agent, decided nope. We're holding out for more money. And as the summer went on into the fall, Toronto wasn't budging. Sandine's camp wasn't budging. And then a preseason game Toronto played early last week saw defensemen, two of them, go down due to injury. And that left Toronto with four defensemen and ended up playing Callie Yarncrock and Alexander Kerfoot on defense. Reportedly, Sandine's camp reached out to Toronto and said, let's end this. We'll sign the deal. And he's now back with the team. He's back with camp. He's skating. The big issue for Sandine's camp was he looked up at the roster and there's just no opportunity for him to play. He's a left-hand shot defenseman. And on the left side, Toronto has Morgan Riley locked up for a long time. They have Jake Muzzin locked up and they just re-signed 38-year-old March Giordano do a Terry deal. Sandine's like, where do I fit? They also signed Victor Mete, Jordy Ben. They've still got Justin Hall and Timothy Lilligren and TJ Brody. There's a lot of NHL caliber defensemen here. So I understand the young player who's trying to make his mark, who's building for his next contract, be like, hey, I don't got a spot here. Jake Muzzin's dealing with injury. Uh, Carl Dahlstrom is not going to be a factor anymore. Mark Giordano, you know, 38, 39 years of age. There is opportunity. 
And that was the biggest issue. And now that, you know, maybe there's a chance that Sandine not only slots in from day one, but if he plays well enough, it'll get to the point that the coaching staff, Sheldon Keefe's going to go, we can't take him out of the lineup. That's all you can ask for, I think, as a player. And I think a lot of people took it out of proportion because he's only 22 years of age, 23. And a lot of people said, oh, you know, what a, you know, he's a little spoiled. No, he's only, he hasn't proven anything in the league. We look up at the defense core and you go, there's not really an opportunity for him to prove himself. So now with some injuries taking place, he signs the deal. Now he has an opportunity. Jordy Ben is also one of the individuals who is injured. So there are options for Rasmus Sandin to slot in, not just as a bottom pair defenseman, but there's chances he could slot in in the top four. God forbid someone else gets hurt. Like there's, what, three, four defensemen which are on, Timothy Lilligren's coming back from injury, Jake Muzzin's dealing with back discomfort, and Jordy Ben and Carl Dahlstrom are both hurt right now. The season hasn't even started yet. I think a lot of people, now I also thought it was crazy because why didn't Sandine just sign this deal in June and save everybody the headache that was this contract negotiation? It it was nice to see, relatively, that Rasmus Sandin and his agent then reached out to Toronto, seeing the injuries on defense, and said, hey, let's end this. I want to sign. Let's go help. And they agreed to a number. He gets an upgrade from his, what is it, $800,000 to $1.4 million, so $600,000 bonus, and maybe an opportunity to play a little bit more. He's a guy who Toronto wants long-term for this team. Jake Muzzin's contract ends in two years. Giordano's contract ends in two years. Timothy Lilligren and Rasmus Sandin's contracts will end in two years. They are going to be defensemen who Toronto hopes can play in their top four for a long time. So it's over. Toronto is well over the cap right now, so they got to figure something out. And Alex Kerfoot is not making this any easier because he's playing well in the preseason. They've got to shed some money somehow. Going to be very interesting to see how Toronto deals with this. And one of the things that they've tried, apparently, is they were practicing with Mitch Marner on defense with Morgan Riley. This threw everybody for a shake. Now, let's get in here. No, Toronto is not that bad defensively. Yes, make all the jokes you want. Hardy, har, har. Toronto's actually been one of the better defensive teams in terms of metrics. Their goaltending last year was just atrocious. Their goaltending was like 28th in the league, but they were only giving up, I think, 24, 25 shots against per game. And defensively, they controlled the puck the majority of the time. They had one of the best historical seasons in franchise history. So why are they trying Mitch Marner on defense with Morgan Riley? Situational hockey. If you're down a goal, you want Matthews, Bunting, Tavares up front together. Or Nylander. And on defense, you have Morgan Riley and, you want to be more offensive, Mitch Marner. Mitch Marner also plays in the penalty kill for Toronto. So he's got experience defending. He's a very good skater. That's all this really ended up being. He said, quote, I'm open to all kinds of opportunities. Whatever Keefe is thinking, I'm not against anything. So as soon as he gave me the heads up, I was all in with it and thought the idea was a kind of cool thinking one. Keefe also said uh, last week that Marner's been taking reps on the back end during training camp and could be used as a blue liner situationally if the Leafs are trailing late in a game. 
I know that this has been cleared up. I know it's been active for a couple of days. I just, I hadn't had a chance to address it. I wanted to address it. So it just gives Toronto options. And this is also a topic that has been talked about for some time and teams do it already on the power play where they go four forwards. Why not late in games instead of throwing out a defensive pairing of Morgan Riley and yes, TJ Brody's phenomenal, but you're looking for offense and TJ Brody not doesn't necessarily have that. If you're looking for a goal, you're not looking to defend. Why not throw Marner up there? I don't know. I like the idea. I wanted to bring it up before we move on, but yeah, the real opportunity for Rasmus Sandin when Lilligren comes back, there's chances for him to play within that top four as well. And, you know, we'll see how Jake Muzzin and Mark Giordano. Mark Giordano looks great, by the way, for 38-39. It's Jake Muzzin that's going to be dealing with injuries throughout the course, and he has to manage it, apparently. So we'll kind of see how that all how it all works out over the course of the year. All right, speaking of injuries, we talked about them last week. And I talked about why I don't, fully buy into the Ottawa Senators. Offensively, they've got a couple of guys who, they've got two lines, sorry, who are, they're going to score, right? You've got the the Batherson and Norris, and you've got Debrinket, you've got Giroux, you've got, you know, like Stutzla, like they're, they're set up. But defensively, outside of Jake Sanderson, and apparently I, I have been told by Sens fans that Artem Zub is actually a solid defenseman. Now, I think that's a little bit more biased than what he actually is as a defender, but I'll give him that as a serviceable defenseman. But outside of Shabbat, Sanderson, and Artem Zub, they didn't get better defensively outside of if Jake Sanderson slots right in, but he'll be a rookie. And now... This team has lost newly acquired goaltender, 35-year-old Cam Talbot, for five to seven weeks with an upper body injury. They then claimed Magnus Helberg off waivers from Seattle to help, quote, fill the void. So Anton Forsberg is now the starting goaltender. They were supposed to, quote, share the crease. Now, last year, Cam Talbot... 9-11 9-11 save percentage, 276 goals against average in 49 games with Minnesota. Minnesota seems to be a better defensive team than I think what Ottawa is. Forsberg last year, 29-year-old, considered more of a journeyman than a bona fide starter, had a 9-17 save percentage in 46 games. Helberg owns a 869 save percentage in five career NHL starts. He has a 917 in 37 games with Sochi HC of the KHL. Now they've also got Mad Sauter or Sogard, sorry. Six foot seven Danish goaltender. He's uh he had he had a 908 in 35 AHL games last season. Ottawa, I think, is going to be they're gonna score goals. I think maybe they might be better defensively than I'm giving them credit for. I, I just look at the division. I look at who they're going to play the most. And who they're going to play the most is the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Florida Panthers, the Boston Bruins, the Toronto Maple Leafs, all of whom can score. All of whom have elite level forwards who can score at any given moment. Boston has that chemistry and symmetry with Bergeron, Marchand, and Pasternak. Tampa is Tampa. And yes, 
Florida lost Huberto. They still have Barkoff. They still have Kachuk. They are still a very deep team. And Toronto is Toronto, who has the reigning 60-goal Hart Trophy Rocket Richard winning forward. And then Mitch Marner, William Nylander, and when he comes back, John Tavares. I'm just, I said it last week. I think they're going to score a lot of goals. I think it's an exciting time for Ottawa. But I just think that they're getting a lot of hype right now. You can score a lot of goals. You can score four goals a game. But if you're giving up five, you do not get a win. And I just, I don't know. You remember when we saw a game, a, a, a multi-game stretch with an Ottawa Senators goaltender that was going to be the next coming thing? Remember the Hamburglar? Andrew Hammond, he did not last long. There is a reason Anton Forsberg bounced around between Chicago, I think he was with Nashville for a bit, and now Ottawa. Last year was great, and maybe he's found his spot. Or maybe he bounces back down and he is not a 917 goaltender. Just curious to see. And this was like, Cam Talbot was like a stabilizing, they're going to go with a tandem of Forsberg and Talbot, where Talbot may be a little bit safer if Anton Forsberg comes down a little bit. But this is a tough blow for Ottawa. And like I said last week, I believe in the scoring. But I just don't know about the defense and about the goaltending. I think the defense eventually will come. But I'm very intrigued as to see how that's going to work. Very intrigued. Um, when I was a kid, I was a fan of two teams and then eventually not necessarily a fan of, of a, a third team, but I was a fan of the player. I was a fan of the Toronto Maple Leafs. And then I was a fan of the Calgary Flames specifically when they went on their 2004 Stanley cup run, Jerome McGinley, Mika Kiprasov, right? They had, I believe at the time, I don't know if they had a, no, they didn't have a joke, but they had Matthew Lombardi. David Lankow, Alex Tangay. They were a blast to watch. Corey Sarich was on, was on defense for that team. And Daryl Sutter was their head coach. Hilariously enough, he has bounced around. He has then won cups in LA. And of course, he is now back in Calgary. And <laughs> Daryl Sutter is becoming my new favorite. He is like the NHL's Bill Belichick. And if you don't know who Bill Belichick is, he's the head coach of the New England Patriots. He is as blunt a coach as you could possibly be when asked certain questions. He was asked last week about his quarterback, and he said, quote, basically, I'm going to paraphrase, but he said, because he was asked about the injury for his quarterback, he says, I don't know. I'm not a doctor. Ask them. I don't know his timeline. And he's got a bunch of other really great one-liners. So... (laughs) So he comes out and he tells Sportsnet Derek Willis, quote, Jonathan Huberto is probably the best passer that this team has had maybe ever. (laughs) Yes, of course. Who is Jonathan Huberto replacing on this team? Well, it is former Flame and new Columbus Blue Jacket, Johnny Gaudreau. (laughs) If you remember last week, 
Sutter came on and said, what's the difference between Tyler Toffoli and Matthew Kachuk? And he said, one of them has been on deep Stanley Cup playoff runs and has won a cup and the other hasn't. So <laughs> I love the trolling. And by the way, this team has had some very good passers. If you remember Alex Tange, he was one of the best passers in the league, especially when he came over from Colorado. But the troll job is absolutely on par. They're becoming just so likable. With the coach, with the acquisition of Nazem Kadri, with Jonathan Huberto, Mackenzie Weger, uh, they have par- uh, they, uh, in that trade. I think they got Huberto, Weger, Cole Schwitt, a first in exchange for Kachuk and a fourth. So they got a haul back. Huberto was signed. They're working on a deal for Weger, and now the coaching staff is letting everybody know, hey. <laughs> I like my players now more than I did last year. And honestly, I'm not in the room. I don't know the players. But these guys all, I i don't know if this is right or not. But Jonathan Huberto, Mackenzie Weger, and Nazem Kadri seem like grown-ups. You know that there are certain players in the league. Here's an example. When you look at Boston, Patrice Bergeron, David Pasternak, Brad Marchand, Regardless of his antics, David Krejci, Tuka Rask when he played there, right? They're, they're adults. Tampa Bay, Victor Hedman, Vasilevsky, Stamkos, Point, Kucherov, adults. You know, as, as, as tough as it is to hear, Toronto, Marner, Nylander, Matthews, they're still considered kids. Yeah, they're, they're 25, 26, but they still have that youth mentality. And I wonder if that's the same thing with guys like Johnny Gaudreau and Matthew Kachuk. Hear me out here on this conversation. Right? But there's certain narratives that players have. There's stereotypes that players have. When you look at Tampa, now when you look at Colorado, Rantanen, Landis Cog, Kadri, who was a member there, Nichuchkin, Burakovsky. I know Kale McCarr is a kid, but he plays like an adult. Gets the job done. Physical. Mean brand of hockey. Can win. Right? You look at them, and when you play them, you don't you don't see them anymore as... as well, you could still see Kale McCarr as children. But Josh Manson, Eric Johnson, Sam Gerrard, Darcy Kemper and Nett. Right? And you look at teams like... Calgary last year. You know, and they win their first round and then you go and you play Edmonton, who's got Dreisaitl and Hyman and McDavid. Goudreau and Kachuk and Monaghan. All three of those guys are no longer on that team. Jacob Markstrom said afterwards, he, was, he said on a podcast, you think your team's better or worse? Then after this, after the uh, summer, he says, I think we're better. You've got guys that know how to take care of business. And I'm just, Daryl Sutter is a very old school coach, much like John Tortorella. Daryl Sutter likes grown men, doesn't like dealing with younger players. Very hard on them, very short leash. He wants grown ups on his team. Mackenzie Weger, Huberto. Elias Lindholm. Those guys are adults. Those guys are grown men. And I think they're going to be a better team this year. They're a lot more spread out. 
And I just wonder, I, as much as we joke about it being a troll job, as much as I just joked about it, I genuinely think Daryl Sutter's like, Tyler Trafoli's won cups with me in LA. Matthew Kachuk hasn't. And Matthew Kachuk disappeared in the second round. Johnny Gaudreau did not. Now it's Dreisel and McDavid, but, you know, Vander Kane was outplaying them. Zach Hyman was outplaying them. And I just wonder, as much as the trolling, I love it, and it just makes me such a fan, there might also be truth behind it. Just saying. But I love it. Uh, oh, by the way, in terms of, if you want to go point totals, in ter- um, because like I said, uh, Sutter called Huberto one of the best passers the team's ever had. So, Goudreau's 75 assists tied him with Al McInnes for the second most in a single season. Kent Nielsen holds the record of 82 back in 1980-81. Huberto had 85 assists last season. So if he replicates that, he will, in his first season, set the record for most assists ever in a Flames um, single campaign. So pretty crazy to think about. All right, and final final thing here before we get to some other news and notes. So the Seattle Kraken, (laughs) well, they unveiled a new uh, mascot earlier this week. And for a team called the Seattle Kraken, it was not what we were expecting. It is a blue sea troll named Boy with a removable tooth. The game they played against the Vancouver Canucks, uh... (laughs) A lot of people very perplexed by why the Seattle Kraken chose Boy. Some tweets. Boy, you had all the sea creature options in the world and you picked a troll. Seen a lot of Boy takes tonight. Here's one from a youth hockey player from the intermission shootout. I don't like it. Uh, The Seattle Kraken in the studio cooking up their mascot. Uh, Disappointed that the Seattle Kraken's mascot isn't Brendan Tanev's ghost friend. Just what hockey Twitter needs another troll. Boy, the troll looks like the bully that bullied you in fourth grade. Happy spooky season from my new sleep paralysis demon, Boy the Troll. They go on and on and on. Um... Yeah, uh, so apparently Boy's inspired by the Fremont Troll. It's a sculpture beneath the bridge in Seattle that has been a landmark of the city for the last 32 years. So there's merit behind it, and it's not just a, oh, they randomly picked a troll for the sake of picking a troll. No, like there's there's some merit behind it, but, you know, if you were called the Seattle Trolls, totally different story. You're called the Kraken. A lot of people had pictures of, if you remember... Uh, The Pirates of the Caribbean, the second movie, I believe, where the Kraken was one of the was in the main features in it. And they had uh, uh, whatever the main character or whatever the main villain was in it with the tentacles coming down. It's going to kill me. But nevertheless, a lot of people had that depicted and just nothing, not an octopus, though. I know that's kind of Detroit's thing. I don't know. I think it's they tried to basically make the next gritty and gritty just hit the ground running because it was so I don't know what it was about gritty gritty just made sense like the flyers who were the big bad broad street you know bully flyers in the they just the the 
kick the you-know-what out of you and you just want this ugly, I don't even know what it is. And Gritty just came in with this impact and it was just, you couldn't replicate it if you tried. And unfortunately, the Seattle Kraken tried and it did not work. So maybe it grows on us, but a lot of people have some fun. There is history on it. We'll share it up on our socials if you want to check it out. But uh, Boy the Troll, the new mascot for the Seattle Kraken. Uh, a couple other news and notes we got to get to. Uh, Pierre, Pierre Oliver Joseph is apparently on the trade block from the Pittsburgh Penguins. As General Manager Ron Hextall, send a note to all 31 GMs. 23-year-old defenseman is available via trade. I believe he's a former first-round pick back in 2017. The Penguins right now have roughly eight or nine defensemen that could potentially be NHLers, including Joseph. And, you know, Pittsburgh maybe want to add a piece offensively or a prospect. So uh, we'll see, wait and see on that one. But Pierre Oliver Joseph, a name that could be on um, some buy-low candidates for a few teams looking for some young defensemen on the back end. We'll see what makes of that. Montreal Canadiens extend Jake Allen by a two-year contract with an average annual value of $3.85 million. He was quoted. He said, I want to be a part of this. I want to be a part of the rebuild. I want to be a part of what the culture is here. Um, you know, he's a goaltender who has you know, had some up and downs, came over as the backup to Carey Price, was originally signed. Of course, Carey Price been sidelined and potentially his career is over. And Allen's kind of been forced into that situation. But listen... He loves to be a part of it. He's still youngish. He still has, has had that, that motor, that mentality to be a part of this team moving forward. And he's now set to be, he was set to become a UFA after this season. But two more years after this one, Jake Allen staying in Montreal. Uh, Calvin Hahn officially back for his second stint in Carolina. He signed a one-year $850,000 deal after his PTO through the team. Uh, DeHaan has seen seasons, like I said, with Raleigh. He's gone to Chicago. He's been a part of other organizations. Um, a good little find, a good depth defenseman on a very stacked Carolina blue line. Of course, they acquired Brett Burns in the offseason. They... Uh, yeah, they're going to be tough to beat. Jacob Slavin, of course, a part of that team. Uh, they still have Ethan Bear there as well. They're just they're they're going to be um, they're going to be a tough one. And uh, they add another uh, defenseman on the back end. Okay, and the last story I want to get to here is going back to Montreal, and is involving the first overall pick this past draft, Uri Slavkowski. So so far, he has not really lived up to the hype in three preseason games. He's got unassist. He's played about cl close to 40 minutes of ice time at five on five. And during five on five, they have been outscored, I believe, two or three nothing. They have a 35% expected goal share per uh, natural stat trick. And when uh, general manager Ken Hughes went to talk about it, Said he wants to see more out of him. And and I think a lot of people took the quote out of context, but this is what this is what he said. He said, quote, I thought uh, I thought his two exhibition games, this is before last night's 5-1 loss to the Leafs, I thought his two exhibition games were a little underwhelming for him. But the two rookie games in Buffalo, he was great. The two scrimmages here with our team, I think he led all our skaters in scoring chances by a pretty decent margin. So he's been very good in parts. There's obviously some inconsistency on how that translates to exhibition games, but we'll see. Now, a lot of people, especially not fans of the organization, took that road with it, saying that, oh, like first first overall pick, Slavkowski, not living up, not living up. <laughs> He's 20 years old. And just to put it in reference, I know he wasn't first overall, but he was third overall 
third or fourth overall. But Tim Stutzla, he was third overall. Tim Stutzla, his rookie season, he did not wow and put up an insane amount of points. In fact, it was kind of similar conversations of Stutzla during his rookie year. In 53 games, he had 12 goals, 29 points. He then followed that up the next season. Now, that was, again, in 53 as a shortened season. He then followed that up last year with 58 points in 79 games, including 22 goals. Tim Stutzla is also just, what, 20 years of age? There is an adjustment period, especially for players playing overseas. He is long, he is big, he is crafty, he has great hands. His shot, he will start to figure out, and especially as he gains confidence. He is going to be fine. I've seen him. You can make the jokes all you want about how he looks like a long, lengthy, lanky, you know, top six, bottom six player. There's a reason he crept up, and for a while, you know, Shane Wright, I even questioned, I said... I question why Montreal wanted to sign a guy like that over a potential Shane Wright, who has like the, I just, I think Shane Wright's ridiculous. I've seen him live. He's insane. I think Seattle stole him. But there's a reason Slavkowski got picked. There's a reason that he is a guy who had that potential of that real big boom, especially coming from overseas. Just give it time. It might not be this season. It might not be next season. But he is still 20 years of age. He has got time. He's 19 or 20, whatever. How old he is. He is a kid. He is going to get better. The confidence will build. He looked great last night. Even though they lost 5-1, he was shooting the puck. He got chances. I think he got his first point. He had an assist last night. Give it time. He will be okay. You know, it just, you got to give players like that time to eventually adapt, develop, and translate from the game overseas to the game here in North America. All right, that does it for the show today. Thank you as always. Follow along on Instagram and Twitter, ST Hockey Podcasts, online, uh, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify to listen wherever you get your podcasts from. Hockey season around the corner. We'll kind of ramp up. I'll go through some teams that I think are overrated, maybe underrated next week. Talk about my uh, playoff favorites and all that fun stuff as we head into another year of NHL hockey. I can't wait. Enjoy the rest of the week. I will see you next Tuesday. Until then, that's a wrap.